What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Eric Evac. He joins us via Skype from his studio in Minneapolis. Um, I am currently recovering from the four-day extravaganza that was the Kaboo Art and Music Festival. Um, big shout out to Amanda Lynn, uh, the Pangea Seed Crew, the Cohort Collective, everybody who was hanging out for the four days. It was an amazing experience. Um, I'm still recovering physically and mentally from from the event. Uh, ben Harper fucking killed it. The, the roots were probably the highlight of the show. Um, there was a ton of good art. Uh, Spoon was fucking amazing. Everybody was super cool. I didn't see anybody really being like knuckleheads. I mean, people were getting drunk, and I saw a couple people get arrested. But everybody, for the most part, was like really cool and nice. It seemed to be a little bit of an older crowd. I don't know how I fit into that. But um, it was a rad event, and I'm psyched that I uh, got to take part in it in in some way. Um, all the murals turned out super rad. If, uh, if you're around in San Diego, the show that we did with the Cohort Collective is going to be down at the Maker's Quarter. Uh, in downtown, it's uh, the Silo Building. It's right when you get off the 94 into downtown. Um, look up Maker's Quarter, and, uh, and you can find the info on that. That show is going to be this Saturday, I believe. And uh, that would eh, – I don't have a fucking counter in front of me. Um, today's the uh, 22nd, so – uh, a few days after that. Um, let's see. I want to um, give a shout out to a listener who donated and sent a um, a nice personal message to me. Uh, Mika- it might be Mikhail or it just might be Michael, just spelled in a unique way. Mikhail. That sounds like the Russian way to say it. And of course, tons of issues of trying to pronounce people's names as if that's something new on the podcast but i I just want to send him a shout out and say thank you for the note and uh your donation it's much appreciated uh and especially the note um if you want to donate you could do that you can go to mikemaxwart.com click on the podcast there is a paypal link and even if you don't have paypal you just do like a credit card donation or whatever um, if you are so inclined, you can go do that. If not, the show is always free. And look, I'm not a bouncer at a, a shitty nightclub where young people are getting way too drunk and making mistakes and starting fights. I, I can't get into all that. Um, so, yeah, last week's intro and outro were slightly depressing. We're on a little better note. I had, I think I got the little vacation that I needed from real life uh, with the Kaboo Festival. So again, thanks to those guys. And yeah, so let's just, this is a long episode uh, with Eric. We go into our manias, I think, a little bit. We talk, it turn, it starts sort of as a, uh, might be a little therapy, therapy session for myself. But, you know, sometimes I I take over the podcast and just make it all about me. But that that's only the beginning of this one. And then we get into all the intricacies of uh art life so um enjoy it i uh i got the show that i mentioned earlier coming up uh this saturday and we have the five-year anniversary show coming up at the daniel rolnick gallery uh in november so 
make sure uh, you keep track of that and hope to see all you guys in LA. Um, if you want to follow the podcast at Live Free Podcast, if you want to follow me, I'm at Mike Maxwell Art on all of the everythings. Um, give me a follow, say hi, uh, and subscribe to the podcast in motherfucking iTunes. All right. Okay. Let's jump right into this episode and give Mr. Eric Evac a call. Mr. Eric Evac. I'm totally pronouncing your name like I knew what I was doing, but I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I had to ask ahead of time. What's up, my How friend? Like? Not much, man. How you doing? I'm very good. Um, it's nice to uh, to take the time to uh, talk with you. Uh, we've been internet friends for a little bit. This is the first time we've actually had a, a conversation. So welcome. Good to be here. Yeah. Um, I think... I feel like I became familiar with your work soon after I did the podcast with um, Aaron Riley. Um, right. I feel like maybe we connected sometime around there, even though right. it seems like maybe we've had a lot of connections or similarities um, already before that, maybe. Right. Yeah. Uh, me and Aaron shared a studio for a while in Brooklyn. Okay. How so. uh, how did, did you guys just accidentally meet or... Uh, <laughs> was it like uh, a craigslist um craigslist I, no no uh we uh i was searching schools and her name popped up in somewhere uh and we have a lot of mutual friends through uh the music scene the hardcore music scene east coast and um she's real cute so i you know i hit her up um and we started talking became friends and you know we shared an apartment in a studio for a while in brooklyn That's, uh, i i noticed you have a uh xxx on your tattooed on your neck so that tells me one of two things either you're like super into porn or you're uh you're straight edge is, is either those two or maybe a combination <laughs> they're not mutually exclusive i suppose yeah yeah and then that's another you know aaron straight edge and sober and stuff and so we're both vegan so yeah it was a it was a a real cool combination for a while i um i actually really wanted to have a beer with this podcast not and i didn't even know you were or whatever but like and that's we were actually going to do it about an hour or so later which would have put me in the like less than alcoholic <laughs> time right right I, I i don't feel like I'm, I'm definitely an addict in a number of ways but uh alcoholism managed to just get by me even though it's affected a bunch of people in my family um i feel like sometimes certain addictions like skip certain people Sure. Or sure. generations. But that's not to say that I don't have an addictive personality in a whole slew of other ways. Yeah, I, I do too. And that's in my family. My, my dad was a junkie and I have other people in my life that have those issues. Um, I I don't have the need to, but I also, when I do something, I believe in doing it. Um, and that, I think it's probably just better for me to stay away right now in my life. Yeah. You know? Uh, do, do you so is that sort of like a common theme like do you feel like you're pretty hard on your or not hard on yourself but like uh, I know for me so like for instance um, the last two things I've been super obsessed obsessed with is um, jujitsu which we share a commonality which we'll get into um, and before that it was golf and it was like this thing of <laughs> funny right the two don't <laughs> seem to match but uh, it, for me it was the same exact thing like a really difficult body movement um that brought multiple moments of joy and pleasure 
Um, and like the same thing that drugs can do for people and alcohol is like make you forget about like the traumas of real life for those split moments. And I think it's important to recognize the difference, but of course, like the harmfulness of one and the lack of harmfulness in the other, but there are some correlations, right? Right. Sure. Sure. Um, I don't think I'm hard enough on myself. Um, I think that's a, that's a theme in my life that I should be harder on myself, uh, which that either means that I'm already too hard on myself. I just hate myself or, you know, whatever. But, um, but that the desire to, uh, you talk about alcohol. I have a super strong desire to, uh, lose myself, you know, to, to, to step outside my head. Um, which is the basis of everything I've done, all my work, all the bands, all, all the music and all the art I've ever made. It's all been this, the void aspect of, of, of losing yourself, the transcendent moment. Um, and because I'm so obsessed with that kind of, uh, moment, you know, heavy drugs has a, has a, I guess it does have a pull for me. Um, you know, so like, I, I, I don't think I could, I, w- I don't want one beer. I, I want all, all the beer. I don't want heroin. <laughs> I want, I want, you know, I, I want, I want it all. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that would lead into, you know, all kinds of stuff, you know? Well, and um, that's sort of what the point that I was going to get to, I, that I sort of just spaced on my own uh, pleasure. Like I was like, Ooh, those two things sound so fun to go do right now. Uh, was the sort of obsessive nature in which, so like, as soon as I found a pleasure in golf, I was like, Ooh, I'm going to try to figure this thing all the way the fuck out and like spend four hours on the putting greens and the chipping section just to like work that game out. Like there's an obsessiveness to that, that maybe it's like what you're saying. Like I not just being able to have like one Sunday, I'm going to go out and hit the ball around. Like I'm going to figure out how the fuck, to hit the ball perfect as as I can possibly figure it out, which is akin to drinking 30 beers in some way. Obviously, like I said, one a little bit more damaging than the other. Right, right, right. But there's a similar mindset. And like you said, same with art. Uh, um, Sorry, did we did we have to go? I mean, we could have started more light, I suppose. If, <laughs> but I figured why yeah. not just jump right into the fire? Right, right. No, I, I mean, no, when I first got my first apartment when I was a kid, you know, I filled it full of like YooHoo and licorice. You know, like I, I can't, I can't. I, why buy one YooHoo? Why, why buy one soda? I want like fuck it. I'm gonna fill this shit up. Um, I still do that now. Uh, well, yeah, you're an adult. You know, why get one tattoo? You know, um, if I, you know I'm all in. Whatever it is, I want to be all in. Um, which I think there's some probably some insecurity issues there too. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't do anything lightly. Um, and then I hate myself if I do do it lightly. You know? So what is it about creative types that sort of fall into that? So what is, you know, is it, is it that same seeking mentality, like looking to, because there seems so much more in the art making process, right. Than just like playing a game one day or, you know, like I know the, the process of making it is partly to get in, you know, and I mentioned it all the time, the meditative state of making things, which is, like all of a sudden time goes away. All of a sudden your anger goes away. There's a relaxation, um, that focus, there's a focus, a singular focus. And, you know, and that's what people who are, uh, into Eastern philosophies and meditation and, and, uh, a lot of those types of things that seems like focusing on breathing in yoga or whatever. Um, and the same thing with jujitsu 
is you cannot think about all the other shit that you got going on because you have some fucker trying to pretend kill you. Right, right, right. So what is um, it? That can, do you think there's a connection with people who make things and all that other shit? Uh, you know, I, I yes. Um, I think all humanity wants to create. I think the need, and that could be just the sexual drive to, to you know, the evolution to mate. And it comes out in different ways in our current society, um, the, this construct that we, we live in. But I think a lot of the artists that I love a lot, the ones I've met and become good friends with, there is a level of uh, self-hatred um, where they're not happy with themselves. I think if, if I was completely happy with myself, I would just sell real estate, you know, or I would just, <laughs> you know, flip houses. You know, just this idea of like, oh, I would just exist. The kids I knew growing up who were happy with themselves, who came from really good families and just loved themselves, they just hung out. And they were average. They skateboarded a little bit. They did a little graffiti or something. But they just hung out. And now they're just nice guys and they just hang out. And they don't really accomplish much, but fuck it. They don't have to. They, they, they're not trying to fill this thing inside them with, with accomplishments or you know, achievements. And, and I'm not really a, a competitive person on certain levels. Um, it's just myself. I, you know, I, I feel a lacking – I also think in this, in this world, in this country, there's a, a, a problem with potential. Because I think a lot of us are told we have potential. At a, oh, you have so much potential. <laughs> yeah. so, so if you don't fulfill that potential, you're a piece of shit. You let your parents down. You let your ancestors down. Everyone's let down because you had this opportunity in this great country, and you didn't do shit about it. You just hang out and work at Denny's or whatever, which would be sweet, but you can't. So you hate yourself because you're not achieving something, so you go after something. Um, and art is the biggest hustle. You know, there's drugs and guns and, 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 and sex trade. Those are all – okay, those are hustles too, but art's the biggest legitimate hustle. You know, it's, it's the – I am creating something out of nothing, and you want it, and you want to buy it, and that's crazy because <laughs> I'm, I'm a piece of shit that just makes shit, and you want to buy it, and I, eat, I get to eat next week because you gave me $400. You know, like yeah. it's, it's horrible, but it's, 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 it's a hustle. So um, do you think that the level of pretension that we see from a lot of maybe successful artists is, is the overcoming of that insecurity? Or do you think that that's still the insecurity only being masked by a sort of false bravado? Because we see that too, right? Like that's also the stereotype. I, I think a lot of it's false bravado. And also, you know, there is a lot of, and, and let's be honest, to make it in the art world, these kids come from money, you know? Like, I, I don't know your background really, but like, I'm assuming it's probably similar to mine, you know, just people surviving. But like, kids in the art world, you know, these dudes who are making it, they can afford to get nice studios. They can afford to pay the rent, you know? They're not scared, you know? I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard hustle, man. Even with music and bands and DJs, people doing that shit, they come from something. You know, like the, the kid that actually grew up hard and make it, that's a real small percentage. That's real small. And so I think there is an arrogance that certain part of the art world have. They get the right schools because their parents can get them in. They have people that can sign fucking letters for them. You know, they hustle. They might be talented. They might be a beautiful people, but there is an arrogance with that too. But I mean, it's like the hip hop kind of world or, or, the, or the punk rock kind of world. It's like when you come from nothing and you make something – yeah, you are arrogant because you know what? Fuck you. You, know, yeah, you take yeah. this. This can all go away. I'll be back here in, in six months anyway. Because I, I, this isn't me, you know. And also, I'll knock you the fuck out, you know, yeah, or, or yeah. you know, whatever. So it's like I've been in a lot of situations years ago, more with like music and stuff, where kind of people would kind of run their mouths to me and like people I was with, and it's like 
you know, this, yeah, you might be a better artist than us, but this dude over here will stab you, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like, there, when, you, when you have that, that kind of weird security of, of, of actual physical life, it changes the game. So, but I mean, I'm, off, I'm way off the topic here. So I think it's a combination, like all things. I think there's a balance. I think there's people in the art world who are very arrogant because they come from money and people are very arrogant because they're, they hate themselves. You know, I'm arrogant because I hate myself, <laughs> but I kind of hate you a little bit more. Um, and so that, that kind of does this, this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and it's kind of like I can talk shit about my family, but you can't talk shit about my family. Right. So you, you can hate on me, but you can't hate on me as much as I can hate on me. So fuck you. Which, which is now a very interesting sort of dichotomy in that people are so communicative over a, a safe mechanism like the internet. Like I had some kid tell me to shut the fuck up on the internet the other day, which, you know, sure, maybe he wanted to think that, but it's so unlikely that that would be said to my face in a conversation. You know what sure. I mean? Like, sure. And not that, like, I'm tougher than anybody. Like, I'm well aware that I could get my ass whooped at any time. But I'm also aware that I could severely hurt somebody as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I uh, When internet culture and my life started coming into play, all my friends had these kind of wacky screen names and stuff. And I, I get drunk on the internet. You know, if you put me on a message board, I will say some crazy shit. <laughs> and so I always use my real name. Yeah, because I was like, if I don't use my real name, I'm gonna talk shit to your girlfriend and your girlfriend. I'm gonna insult you. Yeah. I, if I use my if I use my real name, I'll still probably do some of those things, but I'll be able to control myself. And also, I, I want to be responsible for who I am, you know. Which goes into like the other parts of my life of like you know trying to be sober is I want to be this. If I fuck up and you hate me, I don't have an excuse. You know, this this is who I am. Um, these are my friends, or you know, this is this is this is the world I live in. Um. But yeah, I mean, that's dangerous. Internet's dangerous for me. Real dangerous. <laughs> I've been uh, I've been pretty heated over the last few days. It's a lot of different topics, um, and it's really it's it's mind blowing, really, to see how narrow minded we can all be. Like when it comes to protecting whatever our opinion or our thought, or it's we can be so blinded, like and misguided by all of our past what we've read, what blog we subscribe to or what YouTube video told us some new information. Like it's, it's insane. And I fall right into the same category very easily. I, I tend to be a protagonist type that will argue any side of an argument for the nature of it. Like it, I, I posted the animal song, uh, the don't let me be misunderstood. Right. Cause that's a, I don't know that there's any way for any of us to really truly understand each other anyway, because because of our lack of each other's experiences, it's so it's so singular this human experience, like how we digest everything, and that's sort of like that frustration. It's funny, like I feel like I digest things in a different way than the, like for instance the people that I was arguing with on the internet. And not that I'm – I'm definitely not smarter because there's probably people who have better memory retention who can do math in a much more efficient way. There's a lot of ways to – like maybe a higher IQ even. But I feel somehow I digest information in a different way in my mind compared to another group. And so I have to think, okay, so if if that is true and not in like better or worse way, just different, 
then how how might I perceive their perception of me or what I'm saying or whatever information they're getting? And it's fucking hard. Like you, right. It's really hard. Right, right. You know, I, I think empathy is one of the greatest things that we have, which is a really bizarre concept you know, to, to try to put yourself in someone else's place, another animal's place. I mean, imagine if cats had that or, you know, dogs had this idea where they could put themselves into some other animal's place. It's a, it's, it's a magical, bizarre thing, um, but it's really hard. Uh, and you're, you are probably smarter than most people. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. But the, but the the dangerous thing is, and the scary thing is, is you have you have really smart Republicans out there, you know. And you watch these debates, and you go, okay, really? Like you guys are leaders of states, and you guys are like Jersey's a piece of shit state, Florida's a piece of shit state, you know. I mean, all, most states are kind of pieces of shit state. Yeah. But you're gonna brag about Jersey? You're gonna brag about being, you know, that you made Jersey awesome? No one thinks Jersey's awesome, <laughs> you know. Florida's Florida's a joke, you know. Um, but these guys are smart, right? Like they went to good schools, they have good breeding, you know, they, they go behind, they have to go behind the cameras and all laugh together that we, that they pulled a fast one, everybody. <laughs> I mean, that's the hustle, right? The politics. Um, yeah. I, but, I mentioned today that the strings of the marionette are becoming more and more apparent. I think it's, but then you, you look at the audience, the way that they cheered about 9-11 and like George Bush, that it's complete it, history. <laughs> I, I was just saying, I, I wanted to, I, I was going to write, um, rarities become less important as memory grows shorter. So like the idea that like the, that, that disgusting moment in time like what happened because of that pinpoint moment uh becomes something completely different because of the fact that so many things have happened since then that it can only become the sort of cupcaked memory that's been played out in what has been news media but that's what i mean by the strings are sort of starting to become more apparent because i think people are getting I think most people, I think that that audience is a very small percentage. Most people are getting their information in a very different way from people who are more like them as opposed to people who are being paid by corporations, by, by the people who, the full, you know, five or six corporations that run the news media. Sure, sure. I, I see it both ways. I see totally what you're saying. Um, but the problem with information is when it's you have too much information, you, you can't sort it. And that's what I mean um, about the memory, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, I also think, too, that it's the certain power bases are so confident in their power that they don't mind letting you see behind the scenes a little bit. They don't care. Yeah, they, yeah. The, Koch, the, Koch, the Koch brothers or Koch brothers or whatever, like, they don't care you know about them. They, they don't care that you know that these packs and super packs and stuff um, – so there's that kind of thing. But back to the whole 9-11 thing, like, you know, obviously this is something that just came back around recently with the anniversary. Yeah. But, the, you know, you know, on, on, on the internet, there's always like a never forget kind of uh, banners and stuff. And, then, you know, I, I, I never questioned that. And the other day I was like, That's, how fucked up is that? Never forget? I mean, what if what if every girlfriend that ever broke up with me, my friends like never forget that bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How would I? How would I ever move on? And 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 
they're just people too. You know, they made mistakes and I've made mistakes. Never forget. If, if people never forget what I did wrong or the pain in, in their lives that I accidentally caused or, or even purposely caused, you know, so we're going to never forget this thing that happened that these 15 dudes dead forever. And we're going to have racism and hatred forever because of this one thing. What about what we did to them and the Hitler? And, you know, the, the, the we still hate, would hate Germany. We still hate Japan. Like we, this idea of never forget is such a weird. Yeah, we uh, we have a a strange attraction uh, uh, to tragedy, and we still it it plays itself out in a multitude of different ways. And I would say there's people in the far left who will play tragedy to the utmost political um, opportunistic way, just like anybody else does in any extreme. Right. Like, right. 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 But that's it's like, what what is the focus? And, and I mentioned this as well as like, are, are you are we asking ourselves to never forget the people who died there that day? Or are we actually being asked to forget, never forget the fear, the sort of like anxiety of what that moment felt like for a large group of people? I, like, I feel like that's more important. And then it's weird because I look at old hall. Like, I, I always shit on holidays whenever like. <laughs> any sort of anniversary i kind of shit on you know it, right. like modern holidays and labor day is one of them like this idea that it's a party fucking day to go have fun at the beach when in fact it was about people being murdered you know for standing up for their what they believe is their own rights right sure but sure. nobody ever remembers that shit and, and that's what i mean it's this short memory span and through no not calling everybody fucking dumb fucks but the fact is is that if 30 things happen your memory bank is just going to push some of that shit out and only right. hold certain moments of it and it seems right. to be if you look back in your own history like it's much easier to remember the tragic like sort of the things that were like emotionally damaging as opposed to like all the happy shit at least in my own experience i feel like if i look at my history like <laughs> if i'm trying to remember my past right a lot. I mean, not that there isn't happy moments because there's plenty, right, but for right. some reason, uh, the emotionally damaging ones seem to be most poignant. I don't know, man. I think I might be the opposite. Like, I mean, I definitely have to keep reminding myself about certain people in my life that hurt me, and I'll see them again a few years later. Like, oh man, she really was great, or she was cool, and and I start I, I start forgetting the bad things, and 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 I, I think about the good things a lot, and um, I have to kind of like really think about certain situations and how I felt or back to old journal entries or diaries or, you know, whatever to really go, wow, wow, I was fucked up for years over that person. <laughs> yeah. why, why was that? Um, but about holidays, I'm the complete opposite. I think anytime I can get to hang out with my friends and celebrate and go to the beach or go to the stoop or whatever you do, I'll take it. I'll take Muslim holidays. I'll take Christian holidays. I'll take Kenyan. <laughs> And then, you know, we get, oh, you want to get together and eat food with me? Let's eat food. Let's get together and just sit in a room and joke and, and, and eat food. And, you know, I, I don't have kids, but, you know, hopefully one day I want them to celebrate every holiday. You know, you, anytime you get out of school, anytime you get off work, you go. Like, let's, let's just, you know, and just hang out with our neighbors. You know, and I don't care if it's man-made. Everything's man-made. Yeah. Every, every culture, every religion, every god is man-made. Fuck it. Let's, let's celebrate. Let's, you know, fuck this whole work world. This is bullshit. Yeah. You know, this this idea that we, you know, we lose ourselves in work, you know, like, oh, the American, keep your head down and just work and lose yourself in work. And 
I believe that. I do it. But who's profiting off that? Yeah. It's not my family. It's, it's maybe me a little bit, but it's the people in charge that I'm working for. Like, yeah, lose yourself in work while we're hanging out. You go do that while we do it, while we chill and you know have a good life. Um, and that's just something recently that I've been kind of dealing with. Uh, but yeah, holidays, man. I disagree, man. Any any holiday, any anniversary, let's hang out. I'm super down for all of that too, as well. <laughs> My problem is is like the hundred percent mentality. My issue is that because I understand the history of something, to I it's almost like a, a not being able to let go of a certain knowledge of something to fully approve. I don't know if that makes sense, but to like. It's almost like like I don't ever say bless you to people. I say and I talk about this plenty because I learned about the way that the the phrase had been used over a particular time, what the word actually means, and the etymology of the whole scenario. And because I know that, like if somebody sneezes, I could easily be a nice guy and make somebody feel good and go like bless you. I used to be such a dick that I would if somebody said bless you, I would say no, thank you. Right, because right, I'm right, such right. a fucking asshole that I'm so connected to the original intention and like etymology of something, as opposed to just the polite, like fun aspect of it. Now, and that and that doesn't mean that I can't also appreciate those things, but right. I would be lying if I said it wasn't in the back of my head at best. And that's fair. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I, but man, I appreciate those moments is, and even more so the older that I get, like be able to sit down with family like even though like when they all stand around and hold hands and pray like i'm like mocking everybody in my head sure. like the reality sure sure, sure. but uh, if i could let that guy go if i i would love to let that part of my personality go right. I, and I, I i i doubt there's anyone hearing this that knows me who would think that you're more of an asshole than i am <laughs> yes um, <laughs> Um, but right now, because, you know, I just had some food, so I'm a little, I'm a little relaxed. Um, you, you gotta move on from that stuff, man. Like culture moves on, words move on, you know, the language moves on. It's, it's all, it's not real. You know, culture is not real. There's no real culture. Yeah. It, it's all these fake things we hold on to. And, and here I am sitting here and I'm hating on this guy from 10 years ago because of something happened with a girl. I hate this guy. He doesn't give a fuck about me. He's living <laughs> yeah. his life. He's happy. And I'm. Every night, I'm like, if I see that guy again, I'm gonna knock him out, or I'm a, I want to achieve things to beat him. He doesn't care, you know. So, obviously, if I'm in a situation and someone says something shitty, I'll, I'll respond. But right now, it's like, fuck it, man. We could all be dead tomorrow. I'm gonna worry about this guy's fucking stupid word, or you want to pray tonight, or hold hands. I don't give a fuck. Like, who am I? I maybe that's the right thing. I, I don't think it is, but. I've been so wrong in my life when I knew I was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm in kind of this weird lost place right now in the country too. So it's like, I don't know. Like, I don't like it, but you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, and the, the whole origin of the word, who gives a fuck? You know, yeah, like, I do I mean, for I, some I, reason. I do. Like, if I could pretend not to. <laughs> I can do that. I'm capable. Like I'm, I'm, I'm mentally strong enough to where the moment that my brain arises, the thought, I can let it go. I can. Right. Like it's within right. my capabilities. Right. But what stops me is this idea that I should be one, like as true to myself as possible, and to not, like I almost feel that sometimes a, a need to be 
the counterbalance, you know, like that sort of wave. And I, and I, I don't even want the fucking, the job, you know? And I, I don't want to make this about all of my, uh, my fucking issues, but (laughs) wait, that's what the podcast is for, right? Just to, yeah, completely. Um, well, I mean, for the longest, I grew up in a very Republican, very Southern, very religious family. And so for majority of my life, and even, even now to a degree, you know, I felt like everything that I said or did, I'd be held responsible for. And so if I let something slide, I'd be responsible for that. I'd be called to task at one point in my progression spiritually, you know, and someone said something shitty or said something bad, you know, or, or I didn't stand up for the truth um, <laughs> or my, my version of the truth. Yeah, exactly. And, and later on, that would come back to haunt me that I had no integrity. And so having this kind of integrity was the most important thing in my life. And I was really not fun to hang out with, you know, like. That's what I'm worried like, about. And, and, you know, years later, you know, I moved to New York and hung out in Brooklyn. And I see kids from I used to hang out with. And they're like, man, you're a lot better person. You're a lot funner to hang out with now because you're not trying to start fights with people. You're not arguing about wordage. Um, you, just <laughs> want, you just want to hang out, you know. Um, and I, I see about this other night is like, I don't care what you do. I don't care what bad shit you do. Don't steal from me, you know, and just be cool. You can do heroin. You can do drugs. You can be a gangster or a criminal or a murderer. As long as you're cool to me and you, you've got my back, that's all I really care about right now. And, and that makes me a shitty person, you know, and I'm, I'm definitely not a good person. But it's like I don't care, man. Like just, just be cool, you know. And if you say something that's wrong, unless you're trying to fuck with me, then I don't care, man. Yeah, I, and that's right now. 30 minutes from now, you know, I'll be outside yelling at somebody on the street <laughs> with my bike. So um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not in any, any better position. Hey, um, listen, I'm, I'm a full on hypocrite too. <laughs> but I mean, how old are you? 35? 36. Yeah. I'm 40. So give it, give it four years. and It's going to be a huge switch. Well, that's, know? I think, and that's sort of the point of bringing it up even, or like talking about it, like, or at least even being honest about it, you know, like, like I, I understand my assholeness, you know, like it's there. I see it. Like I know. And, you know, and maybe at some point I will be like, okay, that's enough. And I feel it. So maybe that's like the first sort of step, like understanding, like how you relate to other people. And like, I, nobody really wants to be challenged. If if we're being completely honest, nobody wants to be told they're wrong. Nobody wants to even have, uh, nobody, most people don't want an altercation. Um, I think for the, in terms of like challenging their opinions or what their thoughts are. And when that happens, it's like, you're an asshole no matter what. So that's, what I've been trying to think of like, a, like I was at the, tra- I was at a traffic light today and I just told myself in my head, there's not really any rules. It, that's it. Right. <laughs> there isn't. Right, 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 right. Well, there's rules for us and there's rules for them. Um, and that's the secret to life. You know, if you can get away with something, that's your rule. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, man, God, you, just, you brought up so many topics just now. My mind's kind of reeling a little bit. Um, fuck Well, this, this kid today told me, he's like, you know, I had a dream last night that the world's going to end at nine, nine AM this morning. And I woke up and I was like, what will I fucking do? And I'm like, that's a, that's a, you know, re- really generic, uh, concept. But I started thinking about it. I was like, fuck, what would I do if they told me world ends in four hours? You know, like, and that could happen. It's like, what <laughs> yeah. would I do? Like, 
I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm in Minnesota right now where I'm, I'm from, you know, Virginia and, and Brooklyn and stuff. And, um, I couldn't get home. I couldn't see my lost love, you know, the one that got away, you know, um, I'd have to sit here with people I didn't really know that well. And just like, all right, this is it. You know, we're going to sit here and die. Yeah. Um, and there's like, what, what becomes important then? You know, um, yeah, there's this kid named, uh, uh, Diego who runs the walking alone podcast. I mean, like he was like, you know, I, he was joking around about something. He's like, but how, how we live today is that's our life, man. And I'm like, fuck, oh, God damn. That's so true. Like I've been all my day working or yelling or arguing. That's my life. You know, that's, I'm not getting younger. And I, you know, and I, I had this weird mentality that my life hasn't started yet. It doesn't start till I get the good art show. It doesn't start till I get the, the wife that really loves me or the two kids or the, a car that works, you know, that's my life. No, this is my life, you know, struggling and being scared and, and angry and, and l- l- gaining more weight than I should eat <laughs> at 4 a.m. in the morning, you know, yeah. you know, and, and that's my life. Uh, having blue belts tap the shit out of me sometimes. That's my life, you know, Fucking blue and belts. I fucking hate them, man. Um, Ah, they're like roaches, right? But um, it's but yeah. I I I had the same exact feeling literally today. <laughs> like, and and maybe that's the transition, right? Coming out of like, okay, childhood has ended. I still feel like I'm in it, but it's it has ended. Like my young life has passed, and it's almost like the way we look at other people's lives. Like, there, if you don't compare it to something else then it's really just an abstract thought, you know, like how you decide what your life is like. Right. Or I wonder how many people actually like, yep, it's exactly like how I had planned it. I wonder if those people are out there because we see people like, oh, the the perfect husband and wife with their perfect two kids and the dog that sits when they tell them to. And, you know, like right. the, the whole right. perfect routine. But maybe that's not all that real either. Well, there is no real, right? Yeah, it's all, that's it's all perception. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I meant earlier. Like, hey, we don't know what the perception of somebody else is like. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, I deal with perception constantly because of you know every day I put a costume on and I pretend I'm an artist, um, but I want you <laughs> and I, I, I want to convince you that I know what I'm talking about that I have the theory or whatever. Um, but yeah, so I look at people that I respect and, and trust. And these guys, some of them are super smart, some are super tough, um, mentally or physically, and they're not threatened. When someone says something that they, that they don't agree with, they can smile. And, okay, that's, you know, and, but they're not threatened by it. And I remember when I was younger and I'd make some really dumb comments to people, these guys I looked up to, and they'd be like, okay, Eric, and they'd kind of like give me a little hug on my shoulder. That, that's interesting. You know, I'll think about that. They weren't rude. But now I look back on like, man, I was so wrong. And these guys just took it. They could have slammed me. They could have, <laughs> yeah. just, you know, educated me in a way. And they just loved me. Like, that's okay. Cool. You know, I look at like, you know, tattoo artists or like people who are really highly skilled at a certain profession. And they're nice guys. They're comfortable with themselves. You know, the, the, the high jujitsu player, he's laid back. You know, we go out hanging out. He doesn't have to get in a fight tonight. You know, he, he can walk away because he knows he's a badass. It's cool, man. It's 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 not a, it's just little dogs barking at me. I'm not going to be offended by something a dog says, you know. Like, All right, cool. Um, but I knew people who are. I know guys who walk down the street and a dog barks at them. They're like, "Fuck you, dog!" <laughs> you know, and they're and they're yeah. angry at that dog. He's a fucking dog. Shut the fuck up. And they're kicking the fence, and it's like, "Yo, that's a crazy place to be." Yeah. Well, so so if I, being that I'm not at an elevated state, if I pretend to be in an elevated state, if I pretend to go, okay. 
all right, just let it go. It doesn't make me look bad to let things go. It makes people think that I'm actually better than I am, um, which is, you know, fake it till you make it, you know, like yeah. I'm going to try to be better. Um, I don't know. Here's an example of let me say, maybe a different type of scenario that that I would be interested to see what your opinion would be if it <laughs> if it falls into the same category. <laughs> so um, I've been working on a few commissions to where I have to go over to the Office Depot and get them to blow up um, a large uh, blow up of one of my drawings to transfer it onto a panel. And I go in there maybe once a week, once every couple of weeks to get some large format stuff blown up. And the guy that works behind the counter, always super sweet, like he's humming the Taylor Swift songs and shit that are playing on the Muzak. Always helpful, like just always a nice guy. So yesterday I'm in there and a woman comes in in her nurse's scrubs. Um, Looked like she probably just got off like a 16 hour shift, right? And she had all these papers, like there were certificates that needed to be printed or copied. And so she hands them to him. Meanwhile, it's been really rainy here in, on the West Coast. And her papers were all like kind of curled up, like from the, I don't know if they had been rolled or if it was just like the moisture in the air was, was curling them up. Well, the guy runs them through the copier and one of them gets stuck. Which, of course, ruins, you know, like folds up like four papers in behind it, you know, just, you know, a machine error, right? It happens. Anyone who uses a photocopier would know, or a, even a home printer would know that there's sure, sure. moments where paper gets up. She starts giving this kid an attitude about how maybe if you would have just paid a little more attention and not tried to shove the papers in there so fast, which, of course, didn't happen. Um, I was standing right there. She had already came in with an attitude, like like frumpled about whatever her day was, and begin to begins to like like attack this kid, right? Like gives him a like this like the kind of talking to like some like rich aristocrat would give to a uh, a peasant, right? Right. Even though the two probably aren't making that much different an in income in all reality. My sister also going through nursing school. I know how how much hard work and effort has to be put into that. So I already right. kind of knew where she was coming from on some level, but I also knew that the way that she was berating this young man who had no uh, stance to be like, listen, lady, you can't talk to me like I'm a fucking piece of shit. Um, and what I, I was like, Hey, listen, you know, sometimes, so I, I intervened. Right. And in essence told her how wrong she was to talk to the guy the way that she was right right and in that like that was one of those moments where i was just like just let it go it's not your fight to fight like why why do you need to intervene but a part of me there's a burning fire of like fuel that will it's almost as if the brain shuts down and i turn into a sort of um, robotic like this is i'm just i'm letting this out without much restraint the, the, you know, you know what I mean. Like, how do do you can you take that same stance when you feel like somebody's being mistreated or like there's a room to stand up, right? Um. Well, <laughs> a lot, and I know that's a lot, but it, and of no, course, no, no. I got something for this. One, I work at a print shop part time, <laughs> um, so so I really feel for this person. Yeah. Um. Uh. Two. Uh. I love no fight like somebody else's fight. I mean, I will hold grudges and be involved in someone else's beef 
so much more. And those guys will shake hands eventually and go off and hang out. And I'm still mad. I'm still like, fuck those dudes. They did you wrong. And, you know, I've lost friends because of that because I'm still holding on for weeks or months over some old, you know, graffiti beef or some dumb shit. <laughs> that They never tell me that they made up. So they're like, well, we're going to hang out with those guys over there, that crew. And I'm like, yo, fuck those guys. I mean, you going to fight those guys six months ago? I'm like, yeah, we're cool now. But you probably can't come because they're so mad at you. I'm like, I, I was only mad because they crossed you. I'm, I'm your friend. You know, like, I, I don't care. Like, I, whatever. Um, so I'm trying to be a little better about that. Yeah. But here's where you made a mistake. You should have gone up behind her, wear a naked shirt. <laughs> she has a transcendent moment where she loses reality for a couple seconds, wakes up on the floor. What happened? I don't know. What happened to you? She, I felt arms around me, and then I just was blackness. You know, it's not painful. She has a wild dream. You know, every time I've been choked unconscious, I have these amazing visions. You know, I wake up, and I'm like, I feel like a relaxed, different person, you know? And then she goes about her day. You should have used jujitsu. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu was a, was a key there. That's um, what I need to learn. I'm I'm trying to learn that. <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure that would have went over so well, but yeah, yeah, security cameras. But it's <laughs> I I've been in situations where that's happened, and the person gets up and they just like, I don't know what just happened. I think I've been drinking a little much. I'm just gonna go home now. Um, and no harm done. Um, obviously I'm kidding. Yeah, um, I know. No, I know. But, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll take on somebody else's fight for, for free you know give me the opportunity and that's an issue too though because that, that's issue of ego and pride and you want a white knight situation where i can save the day look at me i'm, I'm a i'm a i'm a blue-eyed white male i can handle this and you know that's that's a big problem too um, and i find that something i and i wonder if if this is a commonality of, amongst also creative types because i've felt like that my whole life like if i saw like a kid getting picked on and i had the opportunity to to prevent it like, even though it may harm me in some way, I may intervene. And, and, and I have numerous times throughout my life. And right. it's, it's, I feel like something, I don't know what it is about me or if it's a commonality amongst like personality types. And I don't, I'm not trying to like, I'm not being braggy or whatever. <laughs> because it really, sometimes I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, I've gotten hurt because I've intervened in other people's fights. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, most of my fights have been other people were involved or friend gets some, something happens in my life. Um, I'm a really big bully. I mean, that's something I'm trying to come to terms with in my life. And I'm definitely a bully on the mats and I'm kind of a shitty dude, but I, <laughs> but I hate other bullies even worse, you know? Um, and, you know, I, we all grew up being bullied and stuff. And, um, you know, I was a small kid in the crew for, as a kid growing up and, um, you know, I hate I hate big guys. I hate I hate fast, smart guys. You know, I mean, any, anyone who's bullying somebody else, they're the enemy. You know, um, even though I myself have that mentality uh, with yeah. certain people, um, it's back to the self hatred, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. But it's it's there's a different there. It seems like people who bull, bullies who bully bullies are a different <laughs> type of breed than people who uh, who look for a victim. Right, but it's, it's, you, I want justification, you know, like, you know, growing up, we, we used to have skinheads involved in our, in our, in our punk rock scene in uh, Virginia. And the thing is, is I love fighting skinheads because everyone agreed with you. You know, you go home, your mom's like, what happened to you? Like, got in a fight. Eric, don't get in fights. There was a skinhead mom. They're like, oh, okay. Oh, it's okay. Probably. You got skinheads. You know, that's like, 
it's a free pass, you know? And so someone's being a bully and you see someone, you know, smack a woman or, or smack a kid or do something weird. You're like, I got this. <laughs> I can now do what I want to do anyway, but now I get, I'm, I'm socially acceptable to do this because you're an asshole. Um, and that, that's kind of a shitty thing too, though. I yeah, mean, I think right. you're, you're, you're obviously a better person than me because I doubt it. I, I like those moments, but, um, yeah, unless they're really big. If they're really big, I might let it go. Um, you know, like, there ah. is self preservation <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> sometimes self preservation does kick in. The sort of yeah. Randian uh, mindset of, of just take care of yourself will yeah. kick yeah. in if, uh, if, if need be. But yeah. I've, I've definitely like, I've stepped in front of some giants for some little munchkins before, and sure, sure, it ended not good. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I've I've I spent time in the hospital from you know catching a beat down here and there. Um, but yeah. you're you're totally. I I completely agree with you though that it is like, uh, it is a still an opportunistic sort of aggressive nature that looks for those things first. But it's funny how the things that we think that we're not looking for but want to participate in tend to find us, right? Right, right, yeah. The, the misery finds where, where it wants to land occasionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, shit, we, we didn't really talk about art. That I mean, did we talk about – I guess we kind of talked about art, but not like not anything well, you're making. All my art is involved with violence. So, I mean, it, it's all right there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's everything I do, you know, it, it's involved in this idea of trying to find that spiritual loss of self moment, which, you know, I never found it through meditation. I found it from street fights. I found it from doing jujitsu, you know, you know, uh, there's sexual moments, you know, there's actions happening and you, you lose yourself and you transcend this moment, you know, like and my work is, you know, it's, uh, I don't call it abstract because I don't feel like I'm abstracting anything. It is just what it is. It's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's paint on a board. Um, and then, but it's, it comes from this idea of trying to lose myself. And I don't really do it in the, in the process. I, I do a, do a degree when I'm making, I do zone out, but it's actually the after effect of sitting in front of this giant painting that I start having this, this psychedelic experience as well. Um, and I was in a, uh, had a, some people critiquing my work, uh, two nights ago and one of the artists was a, is a Syrian artist, and the kids are looking at my work, and like, I don't know, I don't, you know, and it's just a big fucking pink thing with a bunch of you know patterns on it, whatever. And this woman gets up, and she's like, No, this is, you know, this is like my mosque in Syria, you know, and this is like the whole mosque is covering these patterns and these colors, and then at a certain time in the morning, the light comes through, and everyone is for a second is blinded by these patterns, and their, and their retinas are burned, and they're all having this moment together this transcendent moment together. And I was like, fuck, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You're the only one here that's articulating this in, in this, this moment of like, it's not necessarily peaceful necessarily. It could, it could be full of violence, but it's just, you lose yourself. I mean, maybe it has like a weird Eastern samurai kind of thing of being so, so focused on this action, this moment happening um, that you, you, you are overcome by it. But that, that's what my work's about. That's um, funny. I had to say oh, a very similar idea thought like the idea so at a certain period of time during the year at a certain hour the sun shines through uh, my kitchen window a, a very thin narrow window that faces west and it shoots like an as the sun sets it shoots just like an orange bright light right at my face like right at my eye line and if i look that way 
it has that same exact effect of as some of your paintings. I wrote down a city in a color light smog. You know, like it, there's like a, there's some sort of I I felt a little bit more technologically like more like a cityscape more so sure. than a, a religious sure. a home of religious practice. Uh, but I saw that same sort of like almost like a light pollution. Sure, sure. I mean, I look at a lot of like uh, James Terrell is a huge influence right now in my life. Um, just artists that use a lot of light. Um, and I'm using paint and acrylics and using spray paint and stuff because uh, those are the tools I have. Um, I, use, I use a lot of inkjet. I use a lot of computers um, because that's what I have and that's what I know. Um, and I don't want it to be a religion experience. You know, that I don't want it to uh, tap into any one philosophy. Um, you know, I'd want to be more primal than that and, and more honest in a way. Uh, but because I come from a, this, you know, heavy religious indoctrination, you know, I grew up Mormon, um, and the, the religion is based on visions. It's based on, you know, people seeing angels and having, you know, this religious experience and people, you know, t giving them information. And it's always growing up. It was always about these, these things that are bigger than you that you can't look at it. You have to turn away because you're blinded by the whole, the truth of the Godhead or whatever. And so I think a lot of people who grew up maybe Catholic have similar ideas and, you know, I don't really know, but, you know, I've pretty much left that faith behind. Um, but that imagery is still with, me. you know, this idea of being in the presence of something greater than you, you know, and I'm not a leader figure. I'm, I'm a follower, you know, any, any crew I've ever been in, I was just a soldier. You know, they told me to go that way and, and fight those dudes. Okay. That's what we're <laughs> doing. You know? Um, and so I kind of want to give up myself. I have a desire to just be part of this bigger thing, but I never haven't found one that I believe in. I haven't found a, a group of people that other than, you know, friends and family, but no organization that I can believe in. But I have this desire for this moment of, of transcendence. I have a, you know, like, I don't know if all people do, um, or just because I feel like I, I missed out because I wasn't devout enough or I wasn't spiritual enough that I didn't have this, but this desire and, and Rothko, you could say the same thing. And, you know, a lot of the abstract expressionists and today you have like Wade Guyton and uh, Rudolf Stingel who do these big, you know, pieces that kind of have this moment of like, it's, it's of the moment, it's super contemporary, but there's a primalness to it. You know, it's, it's just this big thing that overwhelms you. And um, it's, you know, back in the day, they called it the sublime, you know, like this, 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 this fear or overwhelmness of nature and God. And I don't really have that. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not really scared of nature. I see big landscapes. I'm like, oh, it's, it's cool, but I'm not like overwhelmed by it because I'm jaded, you know, because I have all this information in front of me, but I still have a desire to feel that way, you know? And I mean, yeah, you put me in the ocean beside a big shark, I'm going to feel that way. Um, but this work is me trying to create this thing. And I, I view it like a porn set a lot of times um, that <clears throat> going through the motions of making the work is like making porn. I don't necessarily enjoy it when I'm doing it, and I, but I'm hoping to make an outcome, this, this, a final thing that someone else can enjoy. Um, and so, I, you know, there's this idea of the artist that, oh, you know, I just go in, I just, I lose myself, and I paint these pretty pictures. You know, to me, it's scary, man. Like, you know, I make a lot of work, and it's like I'm going into a, I feel the same way going to, to train jujitsu. I get nervous every day. I feel sick to my stomach every day, four o'clock. I get nervous. I feel acid building up. 
and you know, I love training and the guys are nice to me. And you know, I, and I do, I'm, I'm pretty middle of the group, you know? Yeah. Um, but I feel it, man. During the warmups, I feel it. I'm scared. Walking to do a painting, it's, it's like, I'm, all right, here we go. And I, and I, and I do this thing. And right now, because I'm using mediums like spray paint that are, you know, you can really easily fuck something up forever. And it's like, it hit it hard. I leave. I step outside. I decompress. I go back in. And, and it's, I don't think if you watch me, you'd see that. But in my mind, it's a super, like, okay, don't talk to me. I got to do this thing. I'm going to ruin this. I'm going to waste 60 bucks right now. You know, and then I got to justify it. Do I need three, these three cans of paint or I'm going to buy dinner from, for this girl tomorrow. You know, <laughs> yeah. I get, uh, it's this back and forth thing. Um, and so it, it is this brutal, intense thing for me that, but also I produce these all pink paintings, you know? So there's this juxtapositioning of this, this angry, you know, middle-aged white man who makes this work that's, uh, just wants to beat people up and like smack things. And then there's this, oh, this is very pretty and it has lace on it and stuff. And that, you know, and that I'm trying to come to grips with, you know, and I'm trying to deal with that, that, that balance of work as well. So, but, and yeah. That's the- <laughs> Those two things are, again, another commonality that we could find amongst. Because, you know, like, people are are quick to shit on the straight white male artist. But it's funny that that's actually, out of all the straight white males, the person probably most empathetic to uh, a feminine type of um, emotional response. Like, a connectivity to one's own emotional uh, behaviors which is often a, a stereotypical sign of somebody who's more feminine than they are masculine. Um, I find artists more often than not have a hyper masculinity attached with a hyper femininity that is connected with both machismo and emotional connection and empathetic uh, feelings towards the greater human race, I think. Right. But I, you know, whether that's, completely that's just my the way I, i've my experience anyway yeah sure i mean i, I have so a it's big not issue. surprising <laughs> i have a big issue with the idea of femininity in the first place or, or masculinity um again there's I, I no rules I, right yeah, yeah i know it's open but like you know that being i'm in this mindset now where i'm, I'm reading and, and studying and arguing about you know uh different constructs that we exist in um you know, I'm constantly looking at myself and go, what, what's masculine about me right now? Like, what's the most masculine watch I can get? What's the most pure, unadorned T-shirt I can wear? The most masculine pants? You know, I, ha- I have this kind of thing, you know? Um, and I also had to realize that it's such bullshit, you know? And I, I, you know, going to Brazil and seeing guys walk around in flip-flops and short shorts and, like, unbuttoned floral shirts, and they're all, they're all gangsters. They're all thugs. They're tough as fuck dudes. <laughs> yeah. But if I wear that, I'm, a, I'm not going to look tough at all. But I would be tough because I would be so, yeah, I'm just, I'm just hanging out, man. Um, or you look at guys in Africa, you know, these guys in National Geographic doing things, and they're all wearing, like, weird Mickey Mouse T-shirts and, like, hand-me-down shit. But they're tough as fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you don't, you don't fuck with a dude wearing a Mickey Mouse T-shirt, you know? <laughs> Especially from 1979. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and Mitch Matt's flip-flops, you know, that dude's <laughs> got some other issues. Um, but this idea of like what is masculine and feminine, you know, I have ex-girlfriends that do a lot more fucking and a lot more sexual predator shit than dudes do, you know, but they're still feminine. They're still like, they're, they're, it's, what is this idea? Um, so 
I, I don't know. I, it's I, I'm, well, I'm, I'm rambling and making, making no, myself. I think I, you know, I like the idea of challenging these things. Um, but to pretend like there isn't, there hasn't been a set like, uh, and, and I'm again completely open to challenging ideals and preconceived notions and past uh, shit. Even though I'm so connected to what words are, uh, it still seems like there's a set like ideal. I think uh, there's a, a unspoken social contract amongst men and women um, in sort of heterosexual relationships. In and maybe so I I can't speak for gay relationships because I'm not, but within there there is and these lines are changing, which I think makes this a very interesting time period, um, <clears throat> and it's interesting to see how certain people fall into both of those categories, or even so like the fact that certain people can be misjudged as the hyper masculine asshole. Meanwhile. Uh, three hours later, he might be crying in the corner, curled up in a ball. You know what I right. mean? And which is often the case that there's both of those things. But oh man, like the, the toughest guys I know are the most sensitive, and they're and they're most willing to give hugs and express themselves because they're so fucking tough. They ain't scared of shit. Um, yeah, but I mean, what you're what you're saying, I think, is proof that this is really bullshit. Because you know the way guys girls act in California versus Virginia versus New York in the same country. It's completely different. What they expect is different. You go, you go to France or, or South America, it's a completely different thing. And as soon as you date a Brazilian girl, you go, wow, I have no idea what I'm doing here. I mean, I'm so not masculine to what you're used to, um, but I'm also not cheating on you either. You know, I'm also not doing these things that you thought I was doing because you're used to this machismo kind of behavior. Um, and not that people from Brazil cheat on each other. Everyone does that stuff, you know, but yeah. – um, just the one personal experience. I'm discussing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's like, you know, like, you know, going up in the South, my mom being very religious, you know, what she thinks a man does men do this. And I remember growing up and there's a TV show, a movie called Shane about this, uh, gunfighter. And in the movie, he's wearing tight buckskin, brown leather, has his hair. He's a really sexy, you know, dude. I remember my mom saying, that's how a man dresses. That's how what a man looks like. The older I get, I realize that guy was gay. The, guy, <laughs> the guys dressing him were gay in the movie, you know. And this is their fit. This is their fetish that they're putting out into the world, which is awesome. But here you have a straight white woman in the South who think what the gay desire is is what a straight man should look like, which he should. Nothing wrong with that. But it's, it's, it's these layers of back and forth of like it's all bullshit. Well, the pr know? the fact is, we'll never sort of live up to any other person's expectations of us because it's so hard to live up to our own expectations, really right right so if you have somebody put then that's sort of you have so much potential like all of a sudden you got to fill the shoes of that thing and then you know and that's my problem with words too or holidays it's like okay uh we're just gonna pretend homeboy in the fucking leather cod piece isn't like stroking dudes off back in the dressing room you know, like, and that's plenty, that's fine. But the, the perception from the Southern white woman that that's the idea of masculinity is my same problem with uh, people thinking Labor Day is a day to hang out with your, your friends instead of realizing that the police <laughs> murdered 13 people and, you know, and then, uh, you know, placated, uh, you know, workers' rights and those sorts of things. So it's, I, I guess that's sort of how I can 
rationalize sure. my anger. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you bringing that argument back around. Um, and I, I do agree with you. You've won me over to a point. Um, yeah, that's all I'm I, looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I do think that it's easy in this country to enjoy things um, without realizing the suffering. Um, and there's a, there's a weakness there. There's a softness there that we have in this culture uh, because we have forgotten. We've had it so easy for so long. Um, but at the same time, that is human nature, right? You know, yeah. this idea of, of, you know, we want my, I want my kid to have a better life than I've had. You know, I want to be, you know, have money and security so he can have the things that I didn't have. But then again, I also want him to be tough or her to be tough. You know, I want, I want the next Ronda Rousey to be my child. Um, but how do you do that without making them suffer? Yeah, exactly. You know, um, you know, the kids have nice lives. They uh, might be kind of shitheads. Yeah, they're assholes. You know, they <laughs> yeah. take things for granted, you know. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think, yes, you're right. You know, people should be aware and be knowledgeable. But how about this? Be aware that people die for this shit. So I'm going to go enjoy it. You know what I mean? So I'm still going to, you know, you died for this so I can have a day off or I can hang out with my friends. And that's still a hustle though. You know what I mean? That's still like, all right. You know, I mean, I worked for Viacom. I did I worked for Spike TV for a long time doing all the graphics for like UFC and Bellator and shit. And um, I love the people I worked with. Hate working for a corporation. And so, you know, I'd go in, I'd steal sugar, <laughs> I'd steal toilet paper and like, all right, I'm going to use this for my advantage. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, but I really wasn't. I'm still part of the machine. You know, they still, they knew that kid over there, the weird kid's going to like, you know, beat his asshole. It's, it's built into the system. So I might as well enjoy it. You know, um, I got one thing to say. I know we're running late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going, I was going to work one day and uh, leaving Brooklyn, going into Manhattan. And this girl calls me and this beautiful woman calls me and she's like, Hey, what are you doing? I'm like going to work. She's like, skip work. Go to the beach with us. It's me and these two other women, all beautiful, all really cool, you know, Brooklyn kids. And um, I'm like, nah, I got to go to work. You know, I said, I told my boss I'd be in today. I got to go to work. And I said, okay, okay. And I hang up the phone. And I'm, I'm walking to the train going, how many times in my life will young, beautiful women call me to go to the beach with them? And it's never happened again. That was like three years ago. And it's like, man, I went to work at an office for a company that doesn't give a fuck about me. I could have been sitting on the beach drinking a soda with beautiful women, just enjoying my life in the sun. And I didn't do it. And so that's fucked me up every summer since then. And so my goal now is like, if you call me to hang out, I'm going to hang the fuck out. You wanna, I'm going to put my brush down. I'm, I'm, I might skip class, you know, because me and you, this matters. You know, I'm never going to be a, I'm never compete really high level. You know, I mean, every time I compete, I get beat really bad, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. really, really bad. Um, so you, you want to hang out with me and you're my friend or a new friend. Let's hang out. Let's sit in the stoop. Let's just eat pizza. Let's let's because this is what this is what I'm gonna remember. I don't remember the fucking 400 days I, I trained last two years. You know, I'm glad I did, but you know, I want I want to live that life, man. I want I want to just let's let's do this. Let's hang out and like I don't know. Maybe I'm just lonely, but uh. <laughs> again, that's the nature of being in the fucking studio every day, working your fucking balls off. Is that we just all want to be a part of a group, I suppose. And the more yeah. we keep delineating ourselves from each other, like the more ways we learn how to divide and define who we are as people, the more ways we sort of separate from one another. That's why I'm glad people listen to the show because, and you know, like I've been getting a lot of those types of emails, like the 
the, the appreciation is like, okay, there's somebody else with me here for the moment. Right. And right. like that makes it all worth it. really. Yeah. Because you know, like this is a, you know, having friends that are artists and knowing people who are like the, the next couple tiers up, you know, you, you never know what they're making. You never know what kind of money people are making. You never know how they're really living. You know how they present themselves. Yeah. Um, but you know, this idea that we don't talk about money, that's a super bougie idea. You know, like if people talk about how much money they're making, how much galleries are paying them, you know, um, and I know that I've had friends, you know, hit me up on Instagram or whatever. Like, oh, man, you're, you're doing so well right now. Your life's great. I'm like, thank you. But that's a, that's a mirage, man. That's not real. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, I, I, I make I'll make something four thousand dollars one month and then nothing, nothing for six months. And then I'll sell two or three little pieces of paper, come make a hundred bucks, make my rent, you know, and then it just slowly, slowly put shit out there. Um and it's like, you think I'm making money. Oh, you have all these art shows. Like, yeah, I am. No one's buying shit, you know, because no one buys big pieces of paper with spray paint on it right now, <laughs> you know? Oh, you showed in New York? Yeah, I showed in New York. How was it? It was great. I met people. Great. How much money do you make? I lost $400 just flying out there, you know? Um, and, yeah. you know, I, you know, but I also, I, you know, I have two shows next month and it's the most I've, I've never shown this much in a year before. And I've had like four or five shows this year. Um, and that's great. And I appreciate it, but it's, it's not, the money's not really coming in. You know, I work and I hustle. Um, and I'm lucky. I'm lucky because I'd sell anything. You know, how many artists out there never sell anything, never show anything. So, I mean, just that we have shows, we're, we're, we're higher. We're more successful than we ever could have been, you know? Um, and we're so lucky for that, but it also doesn't mean that we're, you know, I don't know about you. I have no idea, you know, oh, I'm poor shit. I, that's, I put out in my last intro in the last podcast, I was very open and honest about my struggles and difficulties. And, you know, I had a lot of comments on that too, like a lot of understanding or like a lot of like, thanks for not just pretending like it's all popping bottles and like party time because the right. reality is very much different. Right. No, incompletely. Um, if it wasn't for, you know, my friends and people that supported me, like I went to a, I was in Manhattan or Brooklyn um, in May, and um, I went to the Freeze Art Art Festival just because you know I want to see new artwork and stuff. And um, I, I'm actually in, in uh, grad school right now, and they they paid for me to go out there, so great. Right. Um, but I, I stayed with these friends in uh, Brooklyn. I had to borrow 500 bucks to get back to Manhattan to get back to Minnesota because this money flipped around so fast in my bank account. I didn't realize it. I was like, "Fuck, I'm fucked. I'm gonna go back to a place and have negative 10 bucks in my account and no money coming in." That's the struggle that most people are never going to see. Sure. Uh, you know, I have to tell myself all, all the time that even rich kids feel pain, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they might not feel the pain I feel. Yeah. They, they, we only know what we know. We only know the experiences we know. Um, and so you, you break your finger, that hurts to you, right? Somebody gets shot, that hurts to them. Nowhere near as bad as getting your finger broken, but you don't know that because you've never been shot before. You only know what you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I've been very lucky, and I, I'm, you know, it's. I do think that the harder you work, the more lucky you get. To quote uh, Hemzo, um, <laughs> but uh, I throw that in there. Um, but yeah, I can't imagine, you know, like the kids came from my neighborhood. You know, a lot of them they, they got locked up in there in high school. I, I've been so lucky. I, 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 I wouldn't change anything. You know what I mean? Uh, well, maybe one thing, but uh, <laughs> you know, anything, I'll leave that there. We're gonna end on a dick joke. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I think that's a perfect spot. What um what are the two shows you got coming up? Uh, I have an opening in Richmond, Virginia, uh, October 15th at Cork Gallery. And then I have a show at Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota at Citywide Artists on October 9th. So it's like, you know, a week apart. So I get to have that show, produce a whole body of work for that. And then two days, a couple days later, I'm flying back to Richmond to set up that show. Um, so hopefully after that, I can rest for a day or two and then hit the next shit. So, you know, nice. make some money for food. Yeah, good old food. Man, I've been eating so good, but so poorly. Like in term, poorly in terms of like the food cost, a very small amount. But I'm making fucking steps. No, I, I've been seeing your stuff on like Facebook. It looks good. I swear, cooking and painting are the same fucking exact thing. Except you yeah. can eat, you can eat the food. Right. There's something there. I think it's crazy because you know, like I, I would imagine for you, like you know when it need when a certain color needs to be in there to to balance something out. And food's exactly the same way. A spice, uh, an ingredient, you know when it needs to be more orange. You know, right. like if it, right, if right. a painting needs more orange, you know it. it and right. it's almost intuitive. Like it's not you deciding. It's the like the work deciding. Right. Cooking's exactly the same. At least right. from my very dumb, limited amount of knowledge and experience in the cooking. Yeah. I don't know that at all. I don't know anything about color. To me, it, it, a painting just needs more red. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't like it. Put more orange on it, more red on it. Make it burn. That's the exact uh, same thing with food, man. <laughs> burn the fuck out of it. All right, let's do. Oh, where can um people find your work? Uh, you're on the Instagrams. Uh, Eric Evac uh, Instagram. Uh, Eric Evac dot E R I C Y E B A K. Uh, Eric Evac dot com. I'm all over Tumblr. I don't know if people still tumble anymore. But, all up in uh, that tumble. That yeah. But Instagram, man. Instagram, we got to have a show about Instagram because that's changed my life. You know, all, all galleries and sales all come from Instagram now. Um, you know, I mean, it's weird. You know, real big people look at Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, Aaron kind of put me on to that, all that stuff. But uh, it's, it might be over soon. Who knows? But right now, it's like if you're an artist and you're not on Instagram, you're making a big mistake. Yeah. I want to see more artists on Twitter too, because I want to yes. hear people's opinions. I don't want to just see pictures. Like and that yeah, was yeah. another part of doing this. Like this has nothing to do with looking at pretty pictures. This has to do with finding out like what the people who are making pretty pictures really fucking think. Right. And I think, right. I think we accomplished that today. Something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend, I want to thank you again for taking the time to shoot the shit with me. Let's do internet dap and we'll call this thing a thing. Boom. Bam. Done. Yeah, man. Thank, Thank you. you, brother. I appreciate it. Bye. Talk to you later. That was my chat with Mr. Eric Evac. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, uh, if you want to follow the podcast at Live Free Podcast on Facebook and the Twitters, which I haven't been using all that much, um, so whatever. Uh, you can follow me at Mike Maxwell Art on everything at Mike Maxwell Art. I'll talk to you guys soon. We got uh, we got an episode coming up with uh, Miss Nakomi Turner. She will it should be come it'll probably be come out it'll come out this week again. So double double episode this week because I skipped last week. All right, thanks for listening, guys. I will talk to you soon. Bye. Yeah.